0: I don't presume to be the uh, the one to give the hespid for Hagoin Reb David Feinstein's the of Rachel Khayamabah because of my uh, eighteen years on the Lower East Side nor do I presume to give the hespit because the rebbitson is the principal of the Beis Yaakov on the east side and of course we had contact and occasion with him in terms of relating to his family uh, whose uh, grandchildren went to the Beis Yaakov uh, all these years. And I certainly don't presume to uh, be a mumcha in his psakim. But there's something inside of me that feels compelled to talk about this man, because I think that this phenomenon called Rabbi Feinstein is so unique, is so startling, is so unusual that uh, it, it deserves that everyone who, who can possibly say anything of meaning and purpose, should do that. What's amazing about this person is well known to everyone. He seems to be a contradiction, a, a, a contradiction throughout his entire life. Certainly from the time that Reb Moshe Zechornul father, was Nifter. Here's a person that you go to for Psakim, about the most complicated in Yonim, in every miktzoa, in every chelik of shulchan aruch, and he answers. There are occasions when he says, "I don't know," but they're few and far between. And when he says, "I know," he just tells you the p'sak. He very rarely has the time. I doubt that he had the inclination to get involved in the discussion of the p'sak when you were asking him the question. He wasn't giving a shear, He wasn't writing his notes. He's asked the question, he gives you the psak. The fact that the psak was given in such a cut and dry way could make, in the case of another person, wonder, you know, what's behind the psak? Who says he's right? You could go to certain people and you could ask who says he knows what he's talking about? But with Reb David, I don't think that that was possible. First of all, it was already known that his father said about him many, many years before that any question that you could ask me, you can ask my son Reb David. You open up Reb Moshe's tshuvas, and you see that he has a ha'ara and he takes it very seriously, in a truva about the size of an amma and its relative use in different halachas. And the truva has a comment of his. a am sure that he points out in Baba Basra, which is relevant to this inyan. And it was written in Tovshinhei, which means that Reb David was about 15, 16 years old. We know from a number of people, for example, Reb Moshe once walked in, probably also about 40 years ago, I don't know whenever, a very long time ago. And he walked in to the base Medrash one day, very happy, and asked what is the occasion of his rejoicing. He said that my son Reb just finished Shas 101 times. You have to understand what that means, finishing shas so many times. I don't know that there's enough time in the day when you can actually sit down and pour over each blat again and again and again. You know how many blat people learn in azman in a regular yeshiva? So what does it mean to finish shas 101 times? It means there comes a point where you know it so well, so thoroughly. Gemara Rashi us the major Rishonim, and I think in their case, both father and son, psak halacha, which means the tour, the shulchan aruch, the rift, the rush. Before that, the shach, the taz, the magen It means you've gone through it so so thoroughly, and with such depth and comprehension, and that you remember it so well that the next time around and the 50th time around, and the 100th time around, you're basically just pretty much going over it block by block. I imagine that you could cover Shas in a few days. To finish Shas 101 times isn't the thing. And the beautiful pshat of and the uh, echoed and also by the robes the colonel of Rocha, many times this was a reflection of going beyond the call of duty. They did everything by heart, so they had to memorize everything a hundred times. And you do it one more time after that, just out of love, just out of the extreme and unbelievable desire to connect the Torah once again. But it wasn't a question of 101 times or 200 times or 400 times it means that we're speaking about a person who is a genuine Godal B'tayra. And that Godal B'tayra was a paradox because more than anyone else that any of us know, and in our own yeshiva, somebody comes relatively close to this in terms of accessibility, in terms of humility, but this Rabdavid was unique. It wasn't a question of accessible, it wasn't a question of friendliness, it wasn't a question of smiling. It wasn't a question of chesed. The signal virtue of Reb David, the signal unique characteristic which everyone will immediately talk about is this incredible silence. A person has a chance to give Torah. We expect it to be given in great measure, in full measure. And Reb David, the psakim were terse He never spoke in public except on the rarest of occasions and simply not in major events. Even in meetings when he was part of the Moetzis or whatever important meetings there were, everyone who was there testifies. He basically remained silent. When they asked his opinion, usually at the end of the meeting, he would offer it. Again, very tersely, very, very brief to the point, cut and dry. With great confidence, I might add, as he gave his psalkin. But you see, there was something about him that deliberately obscured, obscured and obfuscated. He 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 had a he wore a mask. He wore a mask. He didn't practice social distancing at all, but he wore a mask. And to penetrate through that mask was not easy. This some people call anivus. I think it goes beyond that news. It's a total self-effacement. Chalila that anybody should think anything of him. You know, there's a story about Alamed Vovnik by the name of Baruch Mordechai Zuckermandel. It's a story that's brought down in Yerushalayim Shalmala. It's a sefer that has stories about the Eden who lived in Yerushalayim in the time of Rabshmuel Salant and so on. Apparently, there was a certain fellow who was born to an old couple in Prezburg. Was, the brisk was on Purim and the, the sandek was the Chsam Seifer, the of Racha. And the Chsam Seifer said something very cryptic. No one dared to ask what he meant. Nichnas Yayin Yotzah Said. Yayin and Said, of course, are both equal in Gematria and they both equal 70. His parents were yearning for a child and they finally had one and they had all kinds of dreams about him. But it turns out that he was very, very slow, almost retarded. And the maximum that he ever reached was to be able to sit in a corner and say to Hillim a whole day. When they looked for a shidduch, they couldn't find anything in Europe. They decided to ship him off to Eretz Israel, And he became, he got married and he became the water carrier in Yerushalayim. One day, after many, many years of being in Yerushalayim. It was Purim, and he came into the Hasidish eshtibel of the Lelever Hasidim. Everybody was drunk, and they plied him with drink also, to the point where he was so inebriated that he really didn't know where he was or what he was doing. And they set him up on top of the table, and they said to him, Baruch Mordechai, today is Purim, your name is Mordechai, say eshtikel and he said, what kind of Torah would you like me to say? And everybody started to laugh, like, you know, which Perak of Tehillim? So they said, you know, today is Masechus Megillah. Why don't you say something Masechus Megillah? He says, "What He's totally drunk. And of course, the story obviously unfolds that he knows Torah Kula. Now that story is an amazing story. And we wonder about that story too. How does a person obscure his Torah and not give it out? But you don't ask Karshis about Lama Dvovnik's. His life was tragic afterwards. No one's going to use him as a water carrier. And he meant never to expose himself, never to allow the world to know. If we were told that Rav David Feinstein never passed in and never played that role, okay, a Whatever that person's purpose in the world, who's to know if he's not holding up the world mamish, with his own with his own hands? But Rabbi David did paskan. He paskaned everywhere and about everything. And he paskaned about things that were simple and he paskaned about things that were extremely difficult. Things that we would be afraid to paskan and things that we didn't know enough to paskan. And it was immediate. It was just as if he we went through the whole sugya in seconds and made a decision about what the psak would be. And that required extraordinary strength, extraordinary confidence. So we wonder about this person. And the only conclusion that you can come to is that this go'ayn ha Clearly, he must have known all of this about Peh. Clearly, he must have known it so thoroughly that he was able to reference something. And every once in a while, echoes inadvertently would come out. Echoes that, oh, that's a Taz over there, and that's a Shach over there, and that's a Mogad Ram. And that's not Arminag because, and he explains why. But that was very rare. It was just the mu'at that was mefarish the rife. It was the mu'at that proved the rife. The rest, he put out svarim. Those kind of svarim I think just about anybody could put out. He gave shiurim, the gemara, rashi, taisvis. He taught little children. A child would come over and do the homework with me he would sit him down and he would teach him the Chumash Pasuk. The Pasuk and Chumash. Maybe the Rashi. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Of course, everyone knows about the fact that he wore a short jacket. He didn't wear the typical rabbinic garb of a person of his stature and his circles. Everybody knows that he was at least at some point in his life, filling the soda machines in the yeshiva. Everybody knows the story about that there was a child, a Talmud in the yeshiva that lost the quarter in the machine. And somebody was calling him that somebody had just called with a Shailah. And he said, first, let me give him this quarter and then I'll answer the Shailah. Everybody knows that the way you got to Reb David for many, many years, There was a public phone booth, actually two of them, was a public phone booth in the lobby of the base Medrash. The public phone booth. You had to stand and talk on the phone. I imagine that most people know still what a phone booth is. And this public phone booth was the vehicle. You would call that number, usually a that answered, said, wait a moment, and Rav Moshe would come. Now Rav Moshe was an incredible contradiction in terms. Because that very same person who, who, is, who is giving the coin from the soda machine is answering the Shaila later that an Adam Godel is asking him was already gone through the Sugya completely, completely. Reb David, I'm talking about, Reb David Feinstein. Reb David and Reb Moshe sometimes are interchangeable in my mouth. Because besides being his father, there's so much of that derech, of that, of that accessibility. But Red Maisha spoke, and Red Maisha was involved in the meetings. This was in a c- completely different, it's not eschewing the limelight, it's not avoiding, you know, the, the, the attention. It's something completely different. But, but you saw that in that phone booth was standing a person who was able to answer a question in Balat Chalke Shulchan Aruch easily, with confidence and sometimes with strength. Sometimes he would tell a person, I already told you, you know, that kind of strength. And then he would go back to his seat and it, as if it never happened. For, for all the years he was sitting in the back when his father was Rosh Shiva, it never dawned on him that he should sit anywhere else. How do you explain such a person? I find a remarkable thing. I think that Agai Reb David, of Levrachel Chayla Abba, made a decision, but it wasn't the Baruch Mordechai decision. It was a decision that there's not going to be anything that he does that doesn't reflect one simple thing, that he is merely an Evid Hashem. Now, what, what, what does an Evid Hashem, how do you define an Evid Hashem? What, what, what does he do? What's he made out of? There's a Gemara and Sanhedrin that pay on the base. There the Sanhedrin and how it's made up and where they got their representatives from, the members of the Sanhedrin, is being discussed. Rambam adds certain mylas when he discusses the halacha, but the Gemara gives three miles. He has to be a chacham. Well, of course he has to be a chacham. How otherwise can he be a dayan? But he also has to be a shv'al berech. He has to be humble. The Das Habrios he has to be accessible, he has to be beloved. People have to like him. And then he's a Dayan the era. Malin Doesn't say whether he has to have any other qualities, maybe just the experience and the competence and proving himself. He goes to Harabais. Misham La to the bezin that's in the Azara, or misham to the Sanhedrin Gidala. Then the Gemara says, Sholchu mitam. ben ha-ba. Now, ben o'ilam Haba" is a very interesting expression. Mepharshim asks, kol Yisrael ha-ba. What do you mean, who's a ben o'ilam Haba? So some Mepharshim say he goes straight to Olam Haba. I once said that even the people in Gehenim end up in Gan Eden, but they take the cross Bronx Expressway. But this ben Olam Haba means right away he goes to Olam Haba. Others say, he's a Ben Olam in this world. But who is this Ben Olam So the Gemara says, these are the qualifications. Anvisan, he's an Onav. Shval berach, again an Onav. Shaif Ayol, shayef Nofik. He bends, he yields. Again an Onav. V'gores ba'iraisa Tadira, he learns non-stop. And he never takes credit for anything. He doesn't say, es He doesn't say that this happened because of me, like the Gemara says, a story about you know, that the rains come because of me, or the, the, the rainbow was not visible because of me. The Gemara says, The Chachamim looked Yavu Chacham and and they found Rav Ula Baraba. Rav Ula Baraba. We don't know much about Rav Ula Baraba except for this Chazal is telling us that he apparently fit all the criteria. What does it mean? What does it mean? Suddenly, Ezu ben Alamabah and Yavu Rabban What's it doing in this Sukhya? So, of course, you'll answer that. There's so many elements of Anova and that's the common denominator. That's what a Dayan has to have also. But I think that what the Gemara was saying is as follows. As much as a Dayan has to have, those are qualifications. But Ben Olam Abba means he's the ultimate Eved Hashem. How do you you define, what are the criteria for an Eved Hashem? That's a Ben Olam Abba. And I believe that the reason they call him a Ben Olam is because he has no other considerations. There are no negiyas, no pniyas, no sense of self that has to be satisfied, no need for prominence, no need for acknowledgement, no need for... He, he is simply a vessel. He's a tool of Hashem. He's an Eved Hashem. Now this Eved Hashem Does he exist? Is there such a person? So the Chachamim said, if he doesn't exist, so what's the point? Then we're making a picture of an ideal that will never happen. Life gets in the way. People have personality defects. People have all kinds of things going on inside of them. Nurture, nature, whatever it is. And they just can't match up. So what's the point? The Chachamim said, no, we found him. And that's why Yahu, Rabboni Nei they found him. It was Ula Baraba. Unfortunately, we don't know much else about Ula Baraba. He's quoted from time to time, but that's about it. But the Gemara is already testifying that all these elements were in Ula Baraba, Three of which seem to be madregas, as some of Arshim say, in the Midas Ha'anova. Because there can be an Anav, and there can be an Anav that's more than that Anav. What's the ultimate in Nabus? I. I believe that's the ultimate in I don't think we will find, in our generation, I don't know, in many generations, someone not. A Baruch mantle, that's a lot easier, because you say, the world doesn't know about me, the world doesn't exist. As a different kind of Ben Olam He's already an Olam His avoda is private and personal. His connection is Akhverat to the Rebani But what do you say about a person that was masking to be Masad the just about anybody who asked? What about a person that he would come to a chasna and sometimes he didn't even get a bracha? Maybe they were just too few brachas and too many tzaddikim, too many gadoilim, too many family members. And sometimes people, stammer, should forgive me, stupid. And they don't do the right thing. It didn't affect him at all. Not a key who's that. You know, they, 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 there's a story about how we, in the Aguda convention at one point, he was speaking about end of life issues. And there was a, a woman there, a lady, who uh, was Isaac and in, in Yonim. And she got up and she said that in our circles, we don't pasken that that kula or whatever. And she went on and on and she gave her opinion. She's giving her opinion. And he's, and he's giving the presentation about that halacha. One of the rare moments when he was speaking. And afterwards he says, well, to the Olam, well, there you have another opinion. It's not the word, it's not the zog. People started to laugh, but he didn't mean it that way. He's simply saying, okay, you know, like, fine. They have their posky. But it doesn't affect you. How could it not affect you? Now, there are extremes in both directions. But to be that, ever Hashem. I said what I have to say. Nobody can hurt you. Because they're a love ve'in You know what Yisrael Salantis said about that expression. The Gemara says, their love and molded. People who are humiliated, but they don't return the humiliation in kind. They don't make the other person suffer for it. Ne'loven and molded. But maybe they do respond, you know. You shouldn't do these things. You shouldn't talk like that. The next madrega, They hear the busha. Again, they are humiliated. But they don't respond at all. And then there's a third madrega, says Rabbi Salfander. These are not redundant expressions. is one. is two. But... The final Madriga is, There's a certain kind of feeling that you are, you belong to the people, you belong to the Rabbanu Lolam. people need you, it doesn't matter kakot and khagodal. The Ribbonishal needs you, you passk in the shaykh. And the son shvalberak, shayaf ail, Shayef nofik, the goris bidorai to tidira. I wrote recently that the greatness of Rabdabid, the khonul of Rakh al-Khailum a was that. He was a tremendous masmid and he loved learning. He mamish loved learning. It was such a geschmack for him. And such a person, the person who's a masmid, does and, and as is consistently a masmid, normally doesn't want to be disturbed. He doesn't want to be interrupted while he's learning, and he wants to have the maximum amount of time to learn. And he defines himself that way. So he builds a wall, a machitza, gives hours, he has gaboyim, and so on and so forth. Reb David gave of himself, for what many people have considered trivial things, because there was a person there, Ayid, and they wanted you. They needed something from you, whatever it was. It was almost all the same, because if somebody needs you, you have to respond. I took you away from your learning. I, All of those chasnas took you away from your learning. You know, we had an ainikol. We wanted that Reb should be the Sandik. Reb David came to Brooklyn. You come, you travel in the morning with traffic, without traffic, whatever it is. It takes time, it takes hours. He stayed through the whole thing. Needless to say, he didn't speak, but he stayed through the whole thing till the benching. And I suspect, frankly, that his commitment to people was so real and so genuine that the sacrifice wasn't a sacrifice in the usual sense. Avadit was a sacrifice because Lamaise, he wasn't learning at that time. But it wasn't a sacrifice because he felt that if that's the agenda right now, that's my being in Evin Hashem. Incredible. And of course, there's one big mila about being so silent. You never say person's in a position of prominence. A lot of things you could say. A lot of things that you have to be super careful about. But if you don't speak at all, you're in. You're safe. I wanted to share with you a list. This list, numbering 13 attributes, if you will, was put together by the Talmidim of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. It's first published in the Sefer of the Baal Tarrot Mima, right, Baruch Alevi Epstein, the Baal Tarrot Mima, in his Sefer Mekor Baruch, and Chelek Beis. He says there that there are 13 attributes that are the ideals of a great Jew. These are the midos that a Jew should aspire to and hold on to. The first one is emes. Shalom <speaking> lehotzim in ha'peh, davar al amit Truthfulness, honesty, integrity. Abdavid unbelievable. There was no chanifa. If he had to be strong, he was strong, which is part of the midas haemus for sure. I don't think he ever said anything that wasn't so. Zrizos mida number two. Shalol levatel regal ma shadorush lasos. That's the phrase as I read it from the Makar Baruch. And I think that this one phrase, lasos ma shatsarech lasos, doesn't matter big or small, I'm not gonna evaluate it. I'm not gonna make decisions about who's important and who's not important. These are all the Ribbonish Lalam children, these are all my people. It's incredible. You know, Reb Moshe used to, excuse me, Reb David he used to say, when he would come to family simchas and travel great distances and sometimes it was icy and difficult and the Rebetzin was with a walker, he used to say, when someone asked him, you know, he used to say, what don't you do for family? And you know, I was thinking of the Ani idea of the Shari Yosher, of Reb Shimon. In his Akhtoma to the Shari Yosher, he says, is not an easy thing. So the trick is to expand your kamolcha, to expand your ani, that you know people like themselves. You, you expand the ani, and you include that person in your ani, because he's also part of me. I think that for uh, Rav David Zichron al what don't you do for family, included just about everybody. What don't you do for family? But there was this feeling that, if you do do it, and you have to do it, and it's incumbent upon you to do it, because it's a chesed, because that's what the wants, that's your moment, that's what's in front of you, then it has top priority. So he never gave anyone the feeling that you're in my way, that you're disturbing me. He never gave anyone the feeling that, you know, I could be doing something much more important now. And only Hashem knows how many nutniks could surround a person like that. And he gave everyone, everyone the time. You know, there's a whole discussion about this business that he was in the uh, restaurant, quotation mark, pizza shop for breakfast very, very often, for many years on the Lower East Side. And some say it's because he said it's not in his contract that he should be able to eat breakfast in the yeshiva. Others say that's the only place where a woman had access to him. It's minat kotzeh la But the bottom line is that it was that way. Anyone could come in and anyone could talk to him. Because if you're in front of me and you have an issue or a problem, I'm going to give you your importance. I'm going to make you significant. You become part of me. What don't you do for family? But that's all part of rak Masha mashah, dorosh The next one is charitzas. To do something quickly, enthusiastically. Zrizus is Lolovatl Rega, but Charitsus means when you're doing something, lasos nechlat bishkido with assiduousness and with feeling. I don't know if any of you ever observed him daven. On the one hand, short jacket and wool, and quiet. <laughs> If he was quiet, Kalau, and certainly he was quiet in his Shmon Ezri, the silent Shmon Ezri. But you could see the focus and the concentration on every single word. And then there were the slips of paper because everybody asked him to daven for them. This one for health, and this one for children, this one for a shidduch, this one said it should be matzliach and parnosach, and maybe occasionally somebody that was asking that he should be a, a, a bigger Ever Hashem or, 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 or have Siata Deshmaiah in his Avodah. And they had slips of paper and they wrote their names down so and so Ben, so and so, Ruvein Ben Leia. And he would go through all those sheets, every tefillah. And you could see the concern and the love in the silence. He never postponed anything. Whatever was in front of him, he took care of it, and he did it the way you're supposed to do it. What is the way that you're supposed to do it? And not one person that ever met him, all the way to the people that knew him day and night, members of his family, he was constantly smiling. Constantly smiling. The next one is covered. Now what does Reb Yisrael Salander mean about covered? Giving others covered. You want me to be at your hasna You know, when, when David came to hasnas where I was asked to be Masada Kedushin, it would never dawn on me to remain the Masada Kedushin. And I had a precedent. It happened at my chasna. It happened at many chasnas. I asked the rav, great rebbe, to be my masada the kedushin, and he, of course, agreed immediately. And he came to the chasna, and he was masada the kedushin. How was he masada the kedushin? By calling up Reb Moshe to say the Birchus erusin. The Brachus of the Masada Kedushan, usually. But you see, he, he, was, he, was, he was giving the seder Kedushan over to Rad Moshe. And Rad Moshe would say to him, probably all the time, whenever that happened, but you were asked to be the Masada Kedushan. And the rov would say, but I'm Masada? I'm Masada that you should be, saying the Baruchas without all that fanfare, I would ask Rebdavid Zecharnel Baruchat to be in the because I felt, first of all, in terms of Mishi Betiv Gittin V'Kedushin Eino Yodeah Lo Yehelo yodea yodea Yasek and I have him, <laughs> with his presence, I turned into a Eino Yodeah Betiv Kitna V'Kedushin but besides that, how could you not ask the Godal the Pisic, the giant and what, and, and, and what kind of a covet would it be for the Chasen Kawa if I'm the Messiah the Kiddush? if they can have him? But he was nizer in covid called Adam. That's what it says here. The amazing thing. He never talked against anybody, he never had fights with anyone. You have your opinion. That's also an opinion. It's amazing. You know the famous story with his father and the sefer that was written against him, which had a lot of nasty expressions. And Rabbi Moshe the to give him a chila. I imagine he would even give him a letter of recommendation to sell the sefer. Needs it for his panos. Menucha, the incredible mida. Menuchas <laughs> Sanefesh not to be not to be hasty, not to be confounded. It's a very important midah for our kufa right now. Everybody's so mixed up. I never saw haste. I never saw I never saw a, a, a kind of, a, of an anxiety, of a, of, a, of a nervousness. Everything was calm. Everything was deliberate. Because, you know, you're an Eved Hashem. That's it, you know. Everything that happens, you do it right. That's all you have to do. And the Nachas, divrei Benachas nishmoyim, to speak Benachas. Well, if you don't speak, then you're always speaking Benachas. But when he did speak, it was always careful and deliberate and slow. A lot of gentleness, a tremendous amount of gentleness in the person. Nikoyon. It's one of the things that you can't say one way or the other, I don't know, but the Mice of Rabbi Sol Salanta considered Nikoyan a very important midah. The, the externals, the iris, hapnimius, and inside is Nikayam. Savlonus. Now, here, Reb excelled in a way that is just indescribable. Gedolim, Sadiq, and, and many of them have great tragedies in their lives. It's true of the father, and it was true of Reb David. He lost the son, he lost the granddaughter. Re- Re- Reb David was, was, uh, was beset with many, many things. mikra You know why? Because everything is the Rebbeinah Shemayimah. Everything is the Rav Now we've gotten to number 9 of the 13. And I don't know, maybe I've run out of time. Seder. He was extremely Mesudar. Life was hectic. Life was complicated. Here you're going to a chasna. Here you're going to a bris. Here you're giving a shir. Here you're going to a meeting. Everything was with the Seder. And he kept his darim. In other words... The seder was to sit in yeshiva and learn a whole day. And then whatever interruptions is because they're important. So you do the interruptions. I had a thought. Chazal tell us that learning is so uppermost that it trumps any mitzvah, unless the mitzvah is EF Shalassos Ayodei Achem. Nobody can put on film for you. You have to put on film. The time that it takes, put on film. You put on the film, and so on and so forth. There are mitzvahs, even Chesed mitzvahs, that somebody else can do. And if somebody else can do it, then you're supposed to be learning. So, what about all those interruptions? And you know what I answer? I think the answer is that with Reb David, it was Eevshalasus Aydei Achirim, and that's really a remarkable thing. Because self-effacement, anivus, doesn't mean that you don't think of yourself that you're anything. He knew how important it was for that person to have you. He knew how important it was for that person to talk. You know, I just spoke to Rabbi David. And he knew that the simple person, nobody would deal with them the way he does. The simple, the limited, the, 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 the outcasts of society. Nobody would give them the time of day. It was always a mitzvah, that's what we were talking about the whole time. How does he formulate it? That's a very interesting expression. That's in Anova. You don't notice other people's faults. You see, the point is that you can't be blind and stupid. And Onof is not blind and stupid, especially if he's a genius and especially if he's aware. So, what do you do with all of the people's foibles? So, the Teretz is you justify them. And what happens when even that's not possible? I only see the good. I don't think about anything else. Number 11. Tzedek. Tzedek is Kipshuto u Kedroshoso. Kipshuto, you're righteous. You give tzedakah. He did so much for so many moistest and for so many people. Anybody asked him a favor, get a girl into seminary, uh, uh, help a shidduch, whatever it was. The tzedek was Chesed Begufo BeMamono BeNishmoso. And what is Kidrash also? Sadek Michel Chav Tain Lo. you're in the right. Give it to him anyhow. To be Number twelve is Kimutz. Shalolahotsi pruta, This gets us into an entirely different discussion. But as far as the Rosh Hashiva was concerned, I must tell you that he was as busy with the office and with the mammonists of the office and his care and concern for every penny because it's mammon shaltzaka. And the final one brings us right back to the beginning of, of what we were saying tonight. Shesika. And what does he formulate here? Yachshov Eshato Elis shebedvarov kodem sheyedaber. And you know what his conclusion was? That most of the time, there is no Toelis. Incredible. So you say the minimum that's necessary, you say what you need to say when you need to say it, and the rest is silence. It's the silence which reminds us constantly, O'barash Hashem, barua Hashem. Koil the I don't recall meeting anyone who so completely and absolutely represented the Bahold Rachel Daehu and that represented Mahurakum Avatarakum. The chasodim that you do and chasodim, that you become. The David of Rocha became the Midas HaChesed. It was a natural outpouring. It was something that he did because that's what he was. I could go on and on. In fact, I started writing something. Divrei Torah, you might say Chidushet Torah, trying to describe him. There's one thing that I want to finish with. It'll just take another minute. The Gemara describes, and it's in several places in Chazal, it's in the Medrash Krahawas Rabbah as well. The Gemara describes what's called Ashkafta the Rebbe, the, the Patira of Rebbe, Maruk Suba, Kov Gimul Gimel, Talad the whole episode of the Patira of Rebbe. And I was thinking to myself, there's something very incredible that happened then. They made 18 places where they were Maspid Rebbe. This, this was an incredibly important event. All those hespeded. And it took a very long time. And it was Arab Shabbos. And there was a good chance that people would end up being Mechalot Shabbos because they lost track of time and they weren't able to do any of the things that they needed to do to prepare for Shabbos. Chazal tell us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu extended the day. We don't know what that means exactly. The Mepharshin discuss it. Apparently it wasn't like a Shemesh begivon Dom. It was a very local thing. But whatever it is, they thought that they could be Mechalot Shabbos and the Baschol came out, you know, Everyone who is Oisik in the Levi and the Hespedim of Rabbeinu HaKodesh, Rabbi Huda Hanasi, Amzuman Khayo Ilamato. Incredible, incredible Chazal. All right. It's important. So continue till the Shloshim. But what is this? It's almost like a frenzy that they have to give Hespedim and it has to be done now. And I think the answer is because Rabbi Huda Anassi was a very complex mitzius. And it, it wasn't easy to understand him. How do you understand a person that the Gemara in the D'orim Daphnun, on the bay says that he made a chasna that basically cost millions of dollars? But well, what does that mean, even? And how do you explain that, that you know, Rabbi Mechabit Ashirim? You know, the real. It's, it's a Gemara and Erevin. And the Maril says, quoted by the Gilean so Kivega, the Maril says that, you know what's going on? Why was Rebbe? And the Gemara says also Rebbe Akiba was mechab. They were both very wealthy. In the end, Rebbe Akiba became very wealthy. The Gemara says from six things. But when Rebbe Huda Hanossi was wealthy, he wanted to be mechabit to teach the people to be mechabit ashirim so that when they were mechabit him, this is the Maril that's saying this, not me. So that when People would be mechabit. Reb Yehuda HaNasi wouldn't be for his Torah, it would be for his Ashiras. He was trying to lull the world away from there, giving him covet for his Torah. The Godel HaDor of all the dires. In the end, I think a lot of people were confused about who Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi was. His stable man was richer than, than the king. It's incredible. The Persian king is richer than the Persian king. That's how wealthy Rabiudan Nasi was. I think that they simply had to set the record. And that's what I think is going on now. Of course, he answered all the shyness. Did he really know? Is he really a master of Kala Kula? Did he ever learn chess when he was busy with all these people? What is this business of eating in the pizza shop altogether? What's this idea that he wears a short jacket? What's going on that he talks to anybody? What's going on that he he completely... That silence, what's that silence all about? And I think that what's happening now in, in many circles is this reassessment and this reevaluation, which he can't stop. He can't stop us. But I think Klau Yisrael has to know. They have to understand. You know, he was so encouraging about art scroll. So incredibly encouraging. There were a lot of people that were worried about art scroll at the outset. They didn't know what it would be, and they weren't confident about the translations, and they weren't sure that it should be translations. And he stepped to the floor, and he was strong like Eisen, strong as steel, it, it is the art school revolution. But he had a big chilek in the encouragement, in that initial encouragement, which kept them going. Not to mention lending them money and who knows whatever else. I mean, it just goes on and on. So each person is going to give his perspective. Each person is going to give his understanding. Everybody's going to go through one of those mitos and give an entire Russia. Eventually they'll write books. It was really an extraordinary... Eved Hashem, the ultimate maybe Eved Hashem that we could possibly know. And it was just this chusta. as I said at the beginning, who am I to talk about him? Was not the Talmud mufak? I saw him many times, but often from a distance. I asked Mishailah's constantly, yes, but asked Mishailah, get the answer, you move on. I loved the man and I have a feeling that he loved me too. And I bet you there must be thousands of people that say exactly the same thing. That's really incredible for a God Ladur. Roshalom should bring us the gaula, give us back, we say, what's the next phrase? You know, we're not in such great shape in many, many different ways. Certain ways maybe we're doing okay, but there's a lot that needs to be fixed, and it's a lot that needs to be shored up. To know that we had such a person, to know that we had such a person, even even up to now, is an incredible chizuk. And we want, we want it to happen again and again and again. And that will happen. The V'yas Mashiach Tzidkenu, the Mehele V'yomenu, Amen V'yomenu. Yehi zikra baruch.